0: Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 123, Building Spiritual and Financial Resilience During This Pandemic. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself, seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com. Your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trash, your host. How is everybody doing? How is quarantine going? First and foremost, I hope everybody's healthy and all your loved ones are healthy. And yeah, quarantine is can be challenging I I read something so amazing recently unfortunately it wasn't a shareable post I think it was on Facebook yes but I so I couldn't share it and I don't know who wrote it I don't think it was the person who posted it though not sure but anyway it said something to the effect of we're not all in the same boat we're in the same storm and that really, really resonated with me. For some people, she went on to say, she or he went on to write that for some people, quarantine is awfully lonely. For some, is terribly busy. Some love the time at home with the kids. Some are going crazy with the kids. Some can't get anything done. Some haven't been so productive in years. Some don't have a job. Some are totally overworked, etc., etc. This person who originally wrote this gave much more elaborate and illustrative examples, but that was that was the gist of it. Don't say we're on the same boat we're not we may be in the same boat but not we may be on in the same storm but not the same boat and i like that perspective because the more i speak with friends the more i see how completely different realities we're experiencing inside our own homes and inside our own minds even though we've been hit by the same storm but the good news is that there is a lot of empathy and a lot of understanding i feel And I hope it's true for the diversity and the complexity of all those different situations within the larger situation. And for all those varied emotions and struggles we might feel at any point in time. And for me, sometimes it's minute to minute. And one of the areas where I'm seeing a lot of struggle is in people's financial lives. We're experiencing a recession. I don't have to tell you that. And we don't know how long this is going to be. And it's not exactly like the last recession, although in these times, a lot of the same principles apply. So I've been very open with my newsletter subscribers, uh, many of whom shared some of their main financial worries, their number one financial worries. And there is... Uh, a lot of a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, and I was able to for the most part. I think, respond to each and every one of them with some thoughts, some ideas, some perspectives that I thought could be helpful. And that was a beautiful conversation that I've had with many of you. If I don't know if you're part of my newsletter. If not, you totally should be. Um, and in addition to that, last Sunday, I gave a class, a live class on the Facebook page. It was a Facebook Live of the JLI or the Jewish Learning Institute. And this was a bold move on my part, I think. And I appreciate so much that JLI is so open and forward thinking to allow me to discuss this delicate topic. And the topic was building spiritual and financial resilience during this pandemic. Because, as you know, talking about money sometimes could be still very taboo and very delicate. And so you have to, you know, you have to manage it with a lot of sensitivity and a lot of wisdom. And um, hopefully, I did. Good job, um, and what I'm doing today on the show is actually sharing the entire audio of that class with you, because at first I wasn't going to share it because it's a video class, and you know, video, and it was live video, and it was you know just really from my heart, no notes, one hour, um, and you know, as as things like that might not flow as smoothly as an audio that is perhaps more scripted, and it was again, live presentation, no notes. So I really was speaking to the audience or, you know, to the camera, because the audience was on the other side on live on Facebook from the heart. Um, but the responses on Sunday night and on Monday in my inbox, and obviously on, on Sunday night in the Facebook both in the JLI page as well as in my page because I was cross-posting it on my page was very with the responses were very very positive and I got also a lot of feedback on the on my email so I think it's worth sharing here with all of you because I think it's a perspective that could benefit so many of us right now and so I hope you will enjoy it now, before I kick, we kick it off, I do want to make a big announcement. For me, this feels really big and really, really good. And that is that I've opened the Jewish Money Makeover, which is a four-week course for 10 women, only 10 women, who are serious about making a transformation on how they think, they feel, and they behave around their money, and consequently bringing more wealth into their lives. And everything, of course, is based on timeless Jewish wisdom. And and now, as of this recording, there are only eight spots left. I'm so happy to to be able to say that, and I would love to fill them with anyone here on my podcast audience, because we've been together um, through a lot, and I And I said, I I better get on the podcast and announce this now because I think some of you might be really, really interested. And again, you might not be in my newsletter, so you might have not found out or I might not have sent you a personal invitation. So I want to let you know that there are eight spots left for the Jewish money makeover. And if you are a growth minded woman and you're ready to really experience a transformation to go deep and also have a lot of fun with me. Um, you know, you should totally enroll. You can find it at com forward slash JMM for Jewish Money Makeover. I can't tell you how excited I am to be putting this out there. I feel like it's long overdue for me to really be sharing and teaching the lessons that I've learned since the last recession and over the years, which have really changed my financial life completely. So if this is something that sounds interesting to you, head over to com forward slash JMM for Jewish Money Makeover and enroll, join us. It's an intimate group, which is exactly how I want it. And it's a very low ticket item. It's only $99 be- on purpose, because I really wanted to make this accessible to 10 at at this at this time which is really not a time uh, again it's a time where people are really being challenged in this area I wanted to make it accessible to just 10 women who are ready to dive in with me on a transformation so hopefully I made it accessible enough and trust me it's jam-packed with like everything that I've learned the best. And we're going to go deep and have a great time and really experience transformation. And there's going to be tons of accountability. So you're going to really get your work done. So check it out at jewishlatinprinces.com forward slash JMM for Jewish Money Makeover. Again, eight spots left at the time of this recording. And without further ado, here's building spiritual and financial resilience during the pandemic. Enjoy. Oh, wait, PS, I haven't forgotten about our survey and I want to keep it open two more weeks, please, because this is just such a crazy time. I haven't been able to push it so much. So if you haven't filled it out, please, it's super helpful. Actually, it's very interesting because I'm getting a lot, a lot of um request from potential um, sponsors for the show. And I just really, really want to have my data very, very clear about who is my listener. So please, if you wouldn't mind 30 seconds, com forward slash survey. And I hope that in two weeks, I'll close it um, and get all the data and raffle off those $10 Amazon gift cards to the 20 respondents, which is what I promised. So here we go, ladies, enjoy the show. Welcome everybody. Delighted to be here. This topic tonight is a really, really powerful topic. It's a delicate conversation. Tonight's topic is going to be building spiritual and financial resilience during this pandemic, during times of crisis. As we know, um, it is a time of tremendous financial worry for so many. Uh, I recently asked ladies in my community in my newsletter, I asked them, what is, what is the number one financial worry you have now? And the emails came flooding in to tell you the truth, some of the answers were hard Heartbreak. There is tremendous stress, tremendous anxiety, tremendous worry. And as I was telling the ladies, and let's be honest, we compound that, we add to that the, the guilt of you know, how could I be even worried about this when there's really the worry and the pain of the ill and the lives that lost and everything that's going on? And so all of this is really when I hear the answers of what people people are going through, we add it to all of this, it really is the perfect, the perfect talent for anxiety anxiety. anxiety and depression and so much more. I mean, so many of you, many of you might be going through similar situations. I've heard from many that um, there might be job loss, people have lost their jobs, or you might be just terrified of losing your job. Or as I heard from many women of your husbands losing their jobs, Um, there might be financial tensions, there might be I'm sorry, tensions in the marriage due to this. And of course, the quarantine doesn't help. Um, There is your business might be completely on hold. There's no revenue coming in. There's tremendous pressure that that brings. And some people don't even know how to pay, make, make it through the end of the month, right? So, and, and the list really goes on and on. And there is, the list goes on and on. So what I want to share with you today um, with God's help is um, Judaism's view, Judaism's perspective. I want to share with you some Jewish wisdom, some Jewish insights that could really help give us some light into the situation. Because because at the end of the day we want to come out of this situation and we will, that's the truth of the matter. We are going to come out of this. But what we want to try to achieve is we want to change certain things in our thinking, in our feelings, in our behaviors, around our, around our money, around our financial life that really can impact, can have an impact now and really transform the way we move going forward and the way we come out of this this um this challenge. And really the bottom line is as I always say. Say, we we want to come out of this stronger. We want to come out of this stre- it's strengthened. And I'll tell you very honestly. I remember the reason why this topic is so near and dear to my heart is because I remember years ago. Some of you might have um, might remember the last recession that we experienced. Um, I, I'm assuming. Many of you do, some of you might be a little bit too young, but you might remember the last recession, 2008, and those were really, really challenging times for many people, and I was one of them. It really was a hard time in my life. And this time really, in so many ways, prepared me for today. Because what happened in my life, without getting into all the details that are not relevant at the moment, but is that not only did it open my eyes to certain things that needed to change in my financial structure and the way I manage my money, let's say certain practical things, but more importantly, it taught me to tap into a resource in my financial arsenal that I didn't even realize was so, so key. And that was my Judaism my jewish observance jewish wisdom my inheritance and i can tell you quite honestly that it wasn't the the one thing that moved the needle for me at that time the one thing that really changed my thoughts my speech my behavior around money around my financial life was judaism and this is a resource that is very often overlooked it's very often untapped and I think what really, really can help us, of course, is is this idea. And of course, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you we often look at our financial lives in very tactical ways. And and I'll be very honest and very the very first one to tell you that some of those things are very important. For example, we tend to think about well, what am I? How much am I contributing to my retirement accounts? And how much am I saving? And how comfortable am I with my debt and my budget and my cash flow and building a a, a stronger cash cushion and my investments my business and all these things and we all have to get comfortable with these ideas with these financial terms we certainly have to they're all important but even more important even more important than that that like gaining that literacy and that confidence is to really gaining the literacy and the comfort and the inspiration and the enlightenment from the wisdom of our Torah really using that as what illuminates our entire financial life and when we do that that changes the entire financial paradigm that we operate on that changes everything and so yes now we might say but we're in such a crisis how can I even think about it but the idea that we're going to try to establish today is that if we do that now if we tap into this now if we start building those new thoughts, those new habits, those new behaviors now in whatever way we can, not only is that going to help us transform our financial reality and get us out of this whatever situation, specific situation we might be in, in a much calmer way and go through it in a much calmer way, we're going to be a lot better off, a lot better off later. And there is going to be, obviously this is going to pass. And I want to restate again, just going back to the last recession, that it really wasn't, when I look back at it, I laugh because it wasn't my background in, in, investment banking it wasn't my background in finance it wasn't my mba really that did it for me it really what moved the needle was tapping into this wisdom and it was it was a period of my life from 2008 onwards 2009 2010 that was really really transformational so please god with god's help i'm going to try to share some of that wisdom because what i really want for all of you to feel is that at the end of the day we can come out of this with an anchor we can come out of this feeling that we're anchored in our torah that we're anchored in our judaism and that no matter what market or whatever comes crashing down around us we in our minds in our hearts in our homes we're at peace that's what we want to achieve that's what we want so just to give a little um to set expectations right none of what i'm going to teach you today there's nothing that i'm going to teach you today that's a quick fix nothing and the reason is because spiritual tools and spiritual development and spiritual growth is it's not quick right there's nothing that it it entails work it entails hard work deep work and in fact for challenges to be really transformational for challenges to really achieve bringing our potential and bringing us to a higher place they have to until we have to work hard we have to dig deep and we have to work hard so there are no quick fixes but we can do this but we can do this so let's get started with the first idea that i want to touch on today that um I think it's key. I think it's very, very key. And this is the idea of values. And let me just start by telling you that many, many years ago, well, not that many, but a few years ago, I came across an article in one of the financial publications, I can't really recall what it was, It's maybe the wall street journal or something. Um, and it was an article on marriage and money. And it was one of those articles that talks about how money can be such a, you know, source of discord and couples. And, you know, we all know the statistics and all that. But there was something in this article that was actually quite unique to that conversation and it said the following it said divergent views and values can make money a point of tension within course and that really struck with values not money values because really so much of our financial life is about our values if we ask if we ask most people what what their values are they'll probably tell you and Sarah I see on the chat if you could maybe share with me anybody else who's there who wants to share what are your values Values. Most of us will probably answer things like family, things like community, self-development, growth, um, health, our children's um, future or legacy, Jewish continuity. Those are all very, very important things. But here's a tricky t- Here's the tricky. Most of us haven't really ever thought intentionally, or even articulated, let alone write down what those values are. So what happens is our values stay as this abstract thing that we assume there should be implicit in our behavior. And we, yes, we value family and education. Thank you, Teresa. Exactly. And and so so here's a tricky part. We 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 assume that these things should be should be that our behaviors should should match up to our values. Our behavior should reflect, that's the word I'm looking for, should reflect those values. But here the shocking news is, is that very often, sadly, that is not this very often if we're very very honest and we look at the way that we're spending our money and the, and our time which is a separate conversation but it's, but it's the same idea we will see that that it doesn't reflect what we really value so here's the hard truth the hard truth is that financial statements are value statements financial statements are very very telling about what we really really value so how do we how do you know i had i had somebody recently um I had somebody recently who told me they they had asked the rabbi to come and walk through the, their new home to tell them the price of, you know, not the price really, but to see how many mezuzot they needed for their home. Um, and she comes to me, she says, oh, yeah, maybe I should just put one mezuzah, just one mezuzah in the front of my home, because really it's going to be thousands of dollars. We need so many, there are so many doors. And I said, but, but you just built yourself a 10,000 square foot home and you can't welcome God into the home? can't do that or like so often we see we say we value jewish education we value jewish continuity but how much are we investing in the education of our children in our own education in our own spiritual growth in our own development right yet we're putting our money on other things cars and vacations and gadgets and trips and all sorts of other things like the man who Complained to us recently that there was the 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 tefillin for his son were going to be I don't know eighteen eighteen hundred dollars two thousand dollars how could it be but sir the DJ for your party is twenty five hundred dollars the caterer is 5000 dollars so it requires tremendous tremendous honesty but the idea is that very often we're not really we're not asking ourselves the right questions and we really need to be asking ourselves what are my values what are my Jewish values and we don't ask these questions just when we're dating our spouse. These are questions that we need to be asking our entire life. Am I living according to my Jewish values? And are my numbers aligned with those values? Is my money financing those values? Is it? Now, the reality is that we can say, well, how do we do that? It's really, really hard. And especially in this day and age where we're constantly bombarded with, you know, it's not just our advertising advertising, but it's Facebook and it's Instagram and it's everything and everything that everybody else has and everybody else does, right? And this one has this kitchen and this wardrobe and those vacations and that trips and how come I don't have and How come my husband doesn't take me and You know, we can live our life in this roller coaster and it can get really, really, really confusing. So how do we get so clear on our values? So before I tell you that, I'm gonna share, I'm gonna share with you a little bit of an embarrassing story, an anecdote that happened to me recently and, um, as I said before, it's kind of embarrassing because the truth is, really, I was thinking of this when there's so much pain going on. But um, it, but it's it's worth it, it's worth talking about. <laughs> um, and and the, the the story goes like this: about six weeks ago, when I when we started this quarantine, I think I'm now going into week seven, um, and I realized all the kids were going to be home, and my, I'm going to be home with my husband, and the whole thing is you know unfolding before my eyes. I had a really irrational, totally emotional reaction that really. Could could have had potentially serious financial consequences and that is it could be summed up in one phrase my reaction was I've got to fix my house now pronto like we have to take care of meaning all of a sudden I became fixated and every little repair every little broken thing every you know thing that we've had been putting off for months sometimes years because we had other financial priorities but the thought of all of us being together in this space just made me feel like oh my gosh if I fix this and I fix that and I fix the half bathroom and I tile that floor that never got done and whatever it was, then this quarantine is going to be more livable. And so I even went and I looked for quotes. And I and I I even made a budget, I was going to present my husband with a budget and so many, so many other things like that. And you know, called some contractors, some people to come in and give us quotes. We didn't do it. Don't worry, we didn't do it. But here's what happened. Here's how we came to this decision. And this is where I think the conversation is going to be very telling about the importance of getting clarity on what our values are. So what happens is my my husband and i have this regular habit of having what we call and we developed this and we've affected this over the years since the last recession of having what we call money dates and these is really times that we schedule they're regularly scheduled on our calendars where we sit together and we have an open honest communication about our finances we take a look at everything that's going on in our financial life and and we, and we, we base a lot of those discussions on, on, on values, which obviously we've, we've already established before during the early days of those money dates. But this is a way that we ensure that every financial decision that we make gets discussed before, um, before it's made. So on this particular money date, we're out, we went for a walk outside our home. We live in a nice cul-de-sac. They call it it's a roundabout and we're, this Texas beautiful weather. We go outside to get some fresh air and we're, I'm presenting this whole thing and we had such a good laugh because ultimately the foundation, the foundational idea and the most important idea of these dates is the values conversations is really what ends up happening is that we try to filter each and every one of our financial decisions through our values. And so what happened is all we had to do is ask two questions to make a decision. And those questions were, what are the things that we are currently funding that we hope to continue funding during a financial crisis? And those things were our children's school tuitions, charity, the Jewish holidays, Passover was soon approaching, plus there's other Jewish holidays, our health, and so on and so forth, right? And so once we once we establish these things, then the next question really gave us the answer. Because really the next question is, if we were to spend on those things right now, meaning the home renovations and the home projects, would we be risking our ability to fund those things that are really, really important to us. And if the answer is yes, then the answer to the home renovations is no. I mean, it was clear as day. So that's that that is just to illustrate how having that clarity can avoid so much of the confusion and the noise that often happens and 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 help us really, really establish the clarity. But really, what I also want to add to this conversation is that today in this situation that we find ourselves in today in this pandemic, the time is really right to have to understand what my values are because the truth of the matter is friends that everything has been stripped to its essence there are no more facades what's really important to us is now right in front of us we're not running after every other thing because we have it. it's really the situation that that God has sent upon us has really just opened our eyes to what really is essential and important in life and so we have it in front of us so this exercise of identifying what my values are is really a lot easier right? now i'm probably a lot more critical but thankfully a lot more easier but if you want to go the extra mile there's another thing that you can do that is also very telling and that is you can use the power of your imagination and you can imagine yourself at the end of your life how what and, you, and, and asking yourself what kind of life did i want to live what do i want to leave leave behind what's my legacy and that's going to really really show you what you truly and the bottom line is that we want to get to a place where we can say with honesty that we've lived a life according to those values that our creator has established for us and the blueprint of the torah and again like i said my friends these things are in front of us family community health mental health spiritual health physical health shabbat the the home unit the family unit the marriage all of this are the things and now we have been we've been put in a situation where we have to work on these things and we have to this, this is what's in front of us there are no more distractions it's all unveiled so really can we get to a point where we can confidently say i put my money where my values are and if i get to the point if I get there, then I'm going to be so much better after this crisis, both financially and spiritually. I'm going to be on another level. It's another level. So that's number one. That's the values idea, which is so, so important and so often overlooked. Now, and by the way, I should mention that it can really be transformational for those of you who are married It really can be transformational in our marriage. Really, really, we have to get very clear on what are the values for our families and we have to get on the same page with that. And when we, when we live like that within the family, with our children, it really is another experience. And again, a lot of the financial decisions take just a different meaning, a different depth, and tremendous, tremendous clarity. So let's go on to the second, which is I think the most important, the most important point that we can learn um to utilize as a financial tool, as a tool to help us really enrich the way we think, the way we behave, the way we speak, the way we feel about our money, etc. And that is the concept of trust. In Hebrew, we call it Bitachon like the Israeli security, the bitahan, the security, right? It's trust in God. And sometimes people confuse it with, with faith, with emunah. But the truth is that they're not the same. They're not the same at all. And we can't go into the difference um, because we don't have time, but there is a tremendous difference. So what I'm gonna do with you is I'm gonna share with you a nice um, visual that I think is one of the clearest ways that I've seen explain the difference between these two ideas, okay? So here's what we're gonna imagine. We're gonna imagine that we have this tightrope walker, this man, you know, who goes on the building the rope, whatever, right? And this tightrope walker, he's in the a- Empire State Building and he's ready to do his thing. And Muna, Faith, is going, you can do it. You've got this, you're great, you're awesome, you're gonna do amazing. That's bitahon trust, is jumping on the guy's back. Jumping on the guy's back. That is trust. You see the difference? It's a huge difference. It's an entirely different thing. Huge. So. There was once a man who is schlepping to the marketplace. He's going to the marketplace and he's carrying his big, big bag, his big load. And he's schlepping away and drives this nice gentleman, this wealthy gentleman in his wagon with his horses. And he stops and he sees the man and he stops and he offers him a ride. Says, I see you're going, are you headed to the marketplace? Yes, can I please give you a ride? You know, you look like you have a heavy load. Perfect. So he jumps in and they're riding in in the wagon. And after a few minutes, the nice gentleman says to the simple man, he says, why don't you take the load off your back? And the simple man says, oh no, isn't it enough that that your horses are carrying my weight? I should also burden them with the load of my bag. So the gentleman says, you silly. You think the horses are not carrying your load already? Very, very often, friends, we're like the silly man in the story. Very often, we forget that God is carrying our load. We forget, we put, we put God out of a job like why are we putting god out of a job he 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 has very very broad if we haven't noticed really he does very often we forget that you know it's we are all familiar with this concept this phrase in the u.s dollar bill right in god we trust and it's not a coincidence that this is what it says in our dollar bill because the bottom line is that our finances our money is one of those areas in life where where our trust is put to the test most often i mean look at us now right look at us now but it says there in god we trust and this is such a reminder and such a such a key place, right? But if we put our trust in the stock market and in our business and in our talents and in our boss and our employer and our managers and whatever it might be, yeah, then how do you think we're going to handle? What happens? We see we tend to believe, we tend to believe that our financial success is a result of our own efforts. That's what we tend to believe. But what happens when we don't see the result? What happens when there's no success? What happens when there's a downturn? What happens in a situation? like now? What do we do then? How do we wake up in the morning? In God, we trust. But if we've put our trust in all those other things and all that is limited, and boy, do we know now how limited all these things are, right? We're seeing it with our very eyes. I mean, that's just what's happened. Who would have thought from one day to the next, no job, no business, no clients, overnight, boom, right? If we've put our trust in those things, then we're going to have a movie. But if we are able to put our trust now and always on that which is unlimited that which is eternal that which is infinite that which has the ability to bring your money infinite amount away and to handle all of your problems all of your troubles and how calm and confident are not just when there's a financial crisis but all throughout lives so how do we do how do we build trust Here's where I have, where I have to tell you, honestly, that this is constant work. I told you there were no quick fixes. And by content, constant, I don't mean once a month. I don't mean twice a month. I don't mean twice a week. I mean daily. This is daily, daily work. Every single day. Before I give you some tips on this, I do want to mention that. It's very interesting because the, the, the Rebbe Maharash, who's the fourth Chabad Rebbe, whose birthday was today, he actually told us very, very bluntly, very direct, um, a very powerful idea. That I think is important for us to stress today and especially meaningful because it is his birthday and he taught the following he taught that that in the heavens there's an abundance of sustenance waiting for it. That a Jew is not deficient in sustenance, but that he is deficient in trust and that there's an abundance of heaven for him. But if he does not have trust, that abundance might not reach. Think about for a minute. It's so powerful. First of all, we're talking about God's abundance. We're talking about the fact that there is abundance. There is for everybody. God has no limits. God has for everybody. And not only is there abundance, but God has infinite ways in which to send that money to you. You are limited. We are limited. We have our own limited notions. But God? God is not limited by what we think can only get this client or that client or that job or that deal, right? God is not limited by any of that. And then not only that. But the Rebbe Arash is telling us, if God forbid, we don't put our trust in God, in the one who can deliver, then maybe that abundance might not reach us. That sustenance, that sustenance that is already allocated and assigned for us, might not reach us. They're very, very powerful things, my friends. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe actually expanded on this, gave us a wonderful uh-huh. visual, a wonderful image for us to understand this idea. And the Rebbe talked about a faucet. Imagine a faucet. The Rebbe says, Bitachon, trust, is like a faucet. When you have it, when you have Bitachon, you have trust, the blessings pour through, they flow down, they flow through, but when you don't have it, when you don't have trust, when you don't have Bitachon, it's like the faucet is closed, it's closed up. It's it's, it's, it's a very, very powerful image. It's very, very, now how do we do it? How do we do it? I said it's day, it's constant work, it's constant work. And the truth is it begins with meditating daily on these concepts that I just told you. It begins with the study of. Hasidut, of course, it begins with learning about God's infinite existence and omnipresence and all of that, which Hasidut helps on. There's also I didn't mention, but it's very interesting that the Rebbe, there's also a text called the Gate of Trust, which is a a portion within another text, another classic Jewish text called the Duties of the Heart by Rabbi Nochia. And in that text, there's also this idea that when we we talked about before this concept that we sometimes fail and we put our trust in that which is limited, and we put our confidence in all these other things, and now we've seen it's totally worthless, right? not really we can't really rely on any of it? Our boss and the stock market and our retirement's account accounts and you know who knows what wherever we put our trust, our employer, our business so Rabbi Nobacher ex- explains in his in his book and Hasidus also expands on this idea that when we do that God limits his providence God limits his providence for us. it's like okay you're taking care of. you think you have it under control you're trusting in something else okay he hides himself he he hides himself he waits okay fine be well and again if we don't then we're tapping into the infinite then we have access to everything that God has to offer and, and it's even incredible because really our mind expands our Creativity, the solutions to our problems, all of that, which really comes from God. We're, we're in another state. Not only we're calm, but we're more creative, we're more expansive, and all of that. So one of the points here is really constant meditation on these ideas. And of course, I highly encourage the study of that book, which happens to be that many, many years ago, during the, not that many, but over a decade ago, during the last recession, I happened to come across um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's responses to many people who were facing financial challenges right into the Rebbe. And very, very often, the Rebbe would bring out the point of building trust in God and really strengthening our trust in God. And he would give explanations. And very often, he would point, he would direct people and encourage them to please learn the, the Shara B'Tachon, the, the Gate of Trust, which to actually mention some practical tip, there is a beautiful, wonderful Jewish publication called Chayenu, which with such foresight, a little bit over a year ago, they started publishing, including in the weekly patient portions from the Gate of Trust. So this is one idea. But there's also, of course, the idea of saying King David's Psalms, Hillam, and really even more further than that, really understanding the meaning behind, behind the Psalms can really, really strengthen. But I'll give you a, a really small practical tip that you can start as soon as to learning. And I found this really transformative for myself. And I actually take it quite seriously. And this is a short prayer that we have as part of our morning blessings. Our morning blessings, if you have a prayer book, Siddur at home, or if you don't, then of course you can download one on phone, an app. But there is a, there are something, there is something called the morning blessing that we say every morning right wake up. And there is one specific blessing there that's part of these morning meditations. Because really that's what they're meant to be. And that's what all of prayer is supposed to be, a meditation. Again, talking about meditating on God's greatness. And this one blessing says the following, and I'm going to break it apart for you because i think you're going to gain a lot from this and this says blessed are you god king of the universe who has provided me with my every need and so think about this for a second first of all god right not uncle sam not the stock market not american express not my husband god god is the one who gets for sure i have to do my part for sure i have to create a vessel to receive the blessings in fact the torah says god says in the torah i will bless you in all that you do you have to do but the blessings come from him from god in god we trust my every need, not what I think I want, not my home remodeling, not my wants, not what Instagram and Facebook is telling me that I, I I should have and I should have right now. What are my needs? What are those things that are truly important? Going back to our values conversations. All of my needs finally has provided me in the past tense. Meaning just like he provided for me yesterday, he will provide for me today. He has a great track record. Do we even grasp that. It's very, very, very profound. In fact, I'll tell you, you can do the same thing. I have a little post-it note right next to this one morning brahman, one morning meditation, one morning um, blessing to really, really help me say it with mind- mindfulness and with intention, really be able to meditate and focus on it. So friends, we have to, we have to work on this daily and we, have to put, we have to jump on the guy's back. and We we have to let God carry the load. We have to understand that God has our back. In fact, go write it in your bathroom mirror. God has my back. So that you can internalize it because that is that is the truth. You know, there's a beautiful story about a Hasid from Poland. And this man was a, a very well-to-do businessman. He was um, he, he had his own business for many years. He was a charitable man. He was a nice fellow. Everybody loved him. And he had this very strange unusual quirk and that is that every day after prayers in the synagogue he would go up to the bima and he would bang his hand and he would yell out Emuna, simcha bitachon faith joy trust and that was his thing that was his shtick everybody knew it whatever you know except one day this man lost there was a huge fire and he lost everything his warehouse his inventory his factory everything went up in flames there was nothing left next day goes up to show there's prayers and again he goes up to the bima and bangs and he yells out "Emuna, simcha bitachon this one not one man who knows him already for years and has seen him do this for years he can't hold back and he goes up to him and he says, Listen, I have all these years I've seen you say this David, and I could understand it. I mean, you were such a wealthy man, you did so well, you had so much this is such an amazing, you know, um sustenance and abundance and everything else going for you. But now, after the tragedy, after what has happened, could you please explain to me how? Do you just stand here and yell these words? And so he gave him the following answer and listen to this answer because wow, 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 this is just so so eye-opening. It's a strange answer. Pay attention. He says to the man, there is a discussion in Jewish law about whether one can say the silent prayer, the Amidah, which we say standing, the standing part of our prayer, the Shmone Esrei, while we are leaning on something. Can we we actually say the Shmone Esrei, the Amidah, which is a standing prayer while we're leaning on something. And Jewish law concludes the following. This is him telling the other man who asked. Jewish law concludes that if the leaning is such that we're one, take away the object upon which the person is leaning and the person would fall down, then the person is not allowed to say the Shmon Esri. Meaning if he's leaning in such a way that if I pull the object from him and he falls down and he collapses, then he cannot say the Shmon Esri. But if he's leaning in such a way that if they were to take away that thing, that object, and he would not fall, Call, he would stay standing then that leaning is allowed then he, he is allowed to say the shemone ester the entire shemone ester while leaning what does this means so he tells him all my life i had this business true i never leaned on it so now it's gone because i never leaned on this then i could continue to say Emuna, simcha faith joy and trust this is this is what we need to internalize by the way it's just really so beautiful we can't expand on this now but really the basic is the space that we touched upon earlier on, but the joy, the simple, what is real joy is really living with that calm and that confidence that comes from having that trust that everything is taken care of, that everything I got that does in my life is good. And he will take care of everything. And everything is according to what I need and to my unique purpose in life. That is true joy. That is calm. So that's, this is the idea of, of trust, which is, as I said, something we have to work on every, every single day, each and every one of us. But when we, have it, you can see, I don't have to tell you again, the results, as the Rebbe Maharaj told us, and as the Rebbe reiterated, can be outstanding. It can transform everything for us financially, yes, and, and in every area of our life. But the third idea that I want to touch upon today is... The idea of giving, the idea of Jewish giving. And I know right now you might be thinking, what, how can we talk about giving when I'm not even making an income perhaps, right? How can we even talk about it? The truth is that this is such a fundamental part of the Jewish financial paradigm that we need to talk about it, that we need to learn it. We need to understand how it works. We need to understand the role that it plays in our financial life. Because when we come out of this, we want to make sure, and even now that we are incorporating this into our life in the right way, that this is really part of our financial pattern. We must not ignore it. Even if we think, oh my gosh, but right now I I can't even give a penny. Well, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk, but it's so important for us to learn it. Because again, we're saying that we want to come out of this in the best possible way, not just financially, but also spiritually. So very often friends, the, 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 the natural reaction in times of financial crisis is for us to cut back on our giving. That's usually what happens. And the truth is, it's, it's it happened to me. It happened to me. When, we, when I look back at the last recession, I am, I'm embarrassed to say, but it's the truth that one of the first things that we cut out of our expenses was our charitable giving, you know? And and, and it's funny because my husband and I, it's come from a finance background, both, both of us. So, it, you know, you think about it, it's what makes the most financial sense. That's what we tend to think. Here's where I want to share with you a transformative idea. There are four ways in which we can allocate a- we can spend we can sorry we can invest it we can save it we can spend it or we can give it right those are four ways ask any financial professional and they'll tell you these are the four categories and this is how it works but this is how usually we see it we usually see it as the following first we invest First we save, I'm sorry. First we save, we invest, right? We take, we probably heard the idea of pay yourself first. So we save, we invest, then we spend. Then with what's left over, we give. Friends, this is a transformative idea right here. Judaism flips this paradigm on its head. We Jews give first. We don't give after everything else has been taken care of. Our home renovations and our cars and our iPhones. Oh, that are, I don't know why. Nordstrom's annual sale, huh? We have a mitzvah of ma'asir, of giving 10% of our after-tax earnings to charity. We don't give a thing. Money comes in, 10% goes up. On the top line, pretty much. That's what we do. Because that money was never really money. That money was never mine. That was God's money. That is God's money. That God has entrusted me with his money. He's entrusting me that I will act as a fiduciary. I have a fiduciary responsibility towards God. I'm an agent. He's trusting me that I will allocate that money on his behalf. Now how could I not? How could I give up that responsibility? How often do we actually do that? Very often neglect that responsibility. This is our responsibility. I remember many, many years ago, um perhaps not that many, years ago, I remember that actually very interesting before I tell you that story. Uh, not so long ago I read an article that were interviewing a Jewish philanthropist and I think it was something like he had given a million dollars or something. And one of the questions was something to the effect of, you know, how did he develop this giving nature or what whatever. And he said over there, um, I remember it was so beautiful. He said, you don't come to give a million dollars. If you haven't given 10, if you haven't given a hundred, if you haven't given a thousand. And this is so, so telling. And I'm telling you this because we started this conversation saying, but what I can't give right now. So really the idea is not that we are going to necessarily, all of us become magnanimous givers of a million dollars. Please God, why not? But the idea is that to build that habit, you don't get to that point of generosity. If you haven't that habit from the If you haven't been building those muscles, if you have haven't been taking your fiduciary responsibility serious all along, you don't get that's the idea. So I remember years ago hearing my dear family friend, Mr. George Rohr, a Jewish philanthropist, say in the name of Rabbi Yehoshua Gordon, um of blessed memory, who happens to have had a lot of correspondence also with Lavi rebbe on this issue of trust and financial sustenance and financial challenges. But anyway, so he said, so Mr. my our friend Mr. Rohr said that He learned from Rabbi Gordon that when we give 10% of our money, God guarantees the 90%. Tzedakah is the guarantee of the 90%. Think about this. We've been guaranteed. Where in the world do you get such returns? Show me an investment that has such returns. There, There is none. That's the bottom line. It doesn't exist. In fact, in fact, God has told us, test me on this. Test me, you become my money manager. I, I it, it's guaranteed. The returns are insured. Test. So what happens is very often, we don't really um, know how, we don't really do this systematically. And to go back to the initial story that I was telling you in the session, where I saw our, our financial flaw really was in this idea of system, because it wasn't that we weren't generous. It wasn't that we didn't give. We give? Giving is kind of in our Jewish DNA. And one could even say maybe we gave generously, okay? But we didn't have a system. We didn't give tips systematically. So when I said about the financial paradigm, we flip it and we understood that the system is not you give after everything else, right? And if there's a recession, well, hey, I can't give. I'm so sorry. No, no. When we understand that the giving happens first, then it's an entirely different reality. It's an entirely different reality. So how do we do this practically speaking? Well, there are several methods really that people practice, but I like the following. and I'm going to be very honest and give it to you because I just think it's, it's a, it's simple, it's practical, it's, it's clean and it builds that habit and it builds that relationship. It builds you up as a giver. It builds those giving muscles and also gives that awareness that constant awareness of God in our lives and our blessings and it's so simple they can also you can start it tonight really with a click of a few buttons and this is how it goes you open your bank account and you open another bank account within that bank account if you want and you use that as an account that you're going to consistently fund with 10% of your earnings. That's all. Money comes in, 10% goes into that account. And if you want to go the extra mile, you give it an inspiring name. You give it something that really inspires you. You can call it Hashem's treasury. You could call it God's blessings account. You could call it God's blessings. You could call it abundance. You could call it charity, tzedakah, whatever you want. And by the way, this helps with everything in our financial lives. So people say, you know, I don't want to even look at my budget. I hate, right? They don't like this. So call it something inspiring. Call it family plan. Call it, you know, man plans and God laughs. Call it family happiness. Do the same thing with the things in your your budget. But that's a separate conversation. But it's important to know because there is something to be said. And this Judaism speaks about this a lot, about the power of language, about the use of language. So if you want to go the extra mile, you open this account and you give it a really inspiring name. And the idea, again, is you're going to be consistently funding this with this money. And this, the secret, the beauty of this is that it's going to allow you to be a giver even when you think you don't have enough to give. Then when you have these money dates, as I call them for, whether it be with your husband or by yourself, when you regularly sit and look at your numbers, open this account and you right away decide what causes, what projects, what institutions, what causes are dear to your heart that need your money and you send that money. And of course, if anybody needs an idea, I could tell you that the Jewish Learning Institute is a very, very very worthy cause. Um, But I'm sure everybody has other even other ideas as well. There are many, of course, the idea is that we are becoming givers automatic. And even more than that, I mean, how many of us get texts, get WhatsApp messages, knocks on our door, people really needing money, medical treatment for somebody, a widow, children who need Jewish education, Jewish camps, whatever money, within (coughs) instance, within a second, you can log into your your new tzedakah account, which you called it a really nice name, you can log in and you can send the money to those, in, you become a giver, you emulate God, God Almighty, we have a mitzvah to emulate God, and God is the ultimate giver. And this is something that we've inherited, this trait, this character trait from our father, Avram, the first Jew, this is something that is in our spiritual DNA. And like I said, when we take it seriously, and we, when we understand that this is part, this is a part of the financial structure, that is not something that is just there on the side, but it's, it happens top of mind, is this the first thing that happens? And and if we structure our financial life like this, we see truths change. And I don't have to tell it to you. God has told us. God has told us to us. Now you can tell me that I'm not right now making money. How do you want to get this talent? So I want to talk about the idea of giving, which extends even further than that for a few minutes, because yes, this is important. It's important for you to know that, but there might be some of you watching who might be in a situation that you're right now not receiving an income and you might be living off of savings for which you've probably already taken Meister, you've already taken this, and/or you may be incurring debt. And by the way, I should clarify also that when I say 10%, 10% minimum for everybody, and even somebody who receives the DACA themselves, they also have to give Meister. But um, of course, there's a range, and very, very wealthy people can give 20%. In fact, the Alter Rebbe speaks in Tanya about very, very people who give even more than that, but the the typical range that we need to stick to is 10 to 20% for sure. Most of us, at the very least, have to give a 10% of Meister, okay? So now what happens if I'm in a situation right now in this where really I'm just tapping into these savings. I've already taken miser from our in current debt. And, and this is not really going to be the reality of myself tomorrow. I'm not going to be funding this account. And I've probably already depleted it and given it to so many other people who are in need um, with such generosity. So here I'm reminded of the beautiful story of the daughter of Rabbi Akiva. The Talmud records a story of the daughter of Rabbi Akiva, who Rabbi Akiva was told by some astrologers that she was going to pass away on her wedding. Of course Rabbi Akiva you know, was concerned about this, but um, he didn't he didn't do anything. The wedding preparations moved along and the wedding took place and it was a beautiful wedding, and he just was left with the expectation of what's going to happen to my daughter. So on her wedding night after everybody went home and everything else, she went home with her husband, and she took her pin off her head, and she stuck it on the wall and a hole in the wall. And she went to bed. And the next morning, when it's daylight, to her horror, she sees, she finds the pin and as she grabs it, there's a snake, a deadly, poisonous, disgusting snake, dead. And she runs up to her father to tell her this cryptic story, tell him the cryptic story. It says to her, Baruch Hashem, thank God you're alive. Now please tell me what did you do yesterday on your wedding day? So what do you mean what did I do yesterday? I did everything that Khaled uh, does. I don't know. I prayed and I, you know, I fast and we had the chuppah and I danced and I welcomed the guests and no 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 that's not it that's not it tell me more what else was there anything unusual anything happened anything that you did and she says well you know at some point I noticed that a man came into the wedding hall and he he needed food to eat a poor man and everybody was busy nobody really was paying attention the waiters weren't around etc so I just gave him my plate of food to eat he says that was it that is what saved you and Rabbi Akiva kept telling on this story for many years to come to his students and he would always at the phrase that when the wise King Solomon says in Mishli that Sadaka saves from death, King Solomon didn't mean just from an unusual death, but really from death itself. And this is obviously a relevant story to the circumstances we're in, this pandemic, this illness, everything else and God should save each and every one of us but really I'm bringing it here not just because of the fact that yes, it is that is a truth from the Torah that Sadaka saves from death but also because here we see very clearly the idea that we're giving, it's not just giving of our money, this is an important part of our financial structure and not to be cannot be underestimated, but we also have a responsibility. As I said before, to emulate God and to be givers. And in fact, right now, this situation in which we find ourselves, this quarantine, this strange situation, again, is ripe for, for us, for us to give of ourselves. in so many other ways, what phone calls can I make? What neighbor can I assist? Who can I bring food? Who can I assist with a kind word with words of empathy with, I ideas of how to keep busy and productive that kind of giving that kind of giving we now have been given this incredible opportunity to really hone into this and it's something that we all all do and all take very seriously again the right it's right in front of us we don't have to look too far to find the opportunity. so i'd like to conclude with bringing us back to the ideas that i presented at the beginning of this conversation and i would like you to imagine that you're that you're you drop a hundred dollar bill and you're looking for it and you're on your hands and knees and you're looking for this. We're in a money conversation. This means you could drop your keys, but let's just stick to to the hundred dollar bill. You dropped your hundred dollars and you're on your hands and knees and you're, you're looking and your friend comes over and he says, what are you doing down there? And you say, oh, I lost a hundred dollar bill. He says, okay, let me help you find it. Tell me, where did you, where'd you drop it? Where'd you lose it? And you say, oh, I dropped it over there. And he says, so why are you looking for it down here? And you said, oh no, no, because there's more room over here, right? Very often, we're looking for answers and we're looking for solutions. And we're looking where it feels more comfortable, where there's more room, and not where the answer is going to. And so, this situation, we're facing this unusual circumstances. Again, we're facing another recession. If we, as Jewish people, who have had such an inheritance, we look for the answers in the wisdom of our Torah, in our Torah, in God's Torah, the written Torah, the oral Torah, we will find all the answers to our financial problems. We will find all of these things that really, are going to shed light into how we should operate our financial lives, how we should think, how we should feel, how we should aid. And really we're going to find the vaccine to all of these financial problems. So really we have it. It's just a matter of utilizing it and not overlooking this most important financial resource. And so with that, I want to bless us all that we should have tremendous fortitude and we should be able to implement all of these things that we shared today. and. really go above and beyond implementing these things so that we can truly start feeling that calm, that confidence and that God should respond in kind, helping each and every one of us overcome these problems and really with a lot of joy, with a lot of tranquility, and that will lead us to the ultimate time when nobody will face any of challenges, when there will be a time of light, a time of joy for the entire world with our righteous Mashiach may be speedily in our ways. Thank you so much for joining. And I'm going to look on the chat and I'll be sure to answer any questions that you put on the chat. If anybody wants to contact me privately and ask me any questions, please feel free. You can contact me at yael at jewishlatinbrinces.com. And I answer, I always answer my emails. And if there were any women watching this broadcast who are interested in learning more, with me, more in depth about some of these topics, even more, and really getting very tactical and strategic. I'm running a women's-only online course. It's going to be fabulous. It's starting very soon, and please, I invite all of you ladies to check it out at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash jmm for Jewish Money Matters. jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash jmm, so you can get all the information. And hopefully, I will either see you there, or I will see you soon on the chat, in the chat, or in my inbox be very very healthy very very well Well, how was that for you? I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions, please reach out via email yael at com or on Instagram at jewishlatinprincess. I'm not on Facebook so often, so really those are the best ways. And if you think you're ready for the Jewish money makeover, then head over to com forward slash jmm and I look forward to seeing you inside the course. Now, I want to wish everybody a lot of health and a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.